Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create and maintain meaningful relationships with sizzling sex without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And this week, the letter is Q. And Q is for Quim. We'll tell you what that means later in case you don't know. But joining me today is Fran Bush. She is an award-winning comedian, writer, and performer. She's had sold-out runs of her award-winning show, Ad Libido, and her comedy short, The Diary of My Broken Vagina, was produced by Channel 4. Her first book, My Broken Vagina, has just been published by Hodder and Stoughton. Fran spent the last three years boning up on pleasure, desire, and learning how her own body works. This has included speaking with the leading sex researchers, pleasure coaches, sexual health nurses, and interviewing a growing number of people about their own sexual experience and bodies. It's also meant consistently flustering several wonderful, helpful members of staff at the British Library with endless requests for books and research on the clitoris. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my God, it's like so, such my pleasure. I can just imagine the researchers, right? Oh, and they were, they were so lovely, um, but they would look me in the eye and just be like, did you say clitoris? Was it uh, clitoris books? Um, uh, orgasm books? And then they'd go away. And by the end of it, we were firm friends because I think they were just like, what are you, why do you need 14 books on the clitoris? Um, but uh, yeah, they were quite flustered to begin with. Oh my God. And, and, you know, people are like, well, 14 books, 14 books is not a lot of books for something that's so important to so many of us. Right. Yeah. And like it wouldn't even be a full book. It would be a tiny paragraph in a much larger book or even a sentence sometimes like one sentence on the clitoris in an entire book on anatomy. But if that. Well, and my understanding, it's an odd place to start, but we might as well start here. My understanding is, is that um, they don't, still don't teach the full anatomy of the clitoris, um, even to OBGYNs in um, the U.S. Yeah. major medical courses, that that's still not taught. It's not considered important to know the full anatomy. I, I just like, yeah, I can't get like my head around that. that. Yeah, I, I think that is, that it really is still the case. I think it's like, it's considered like the cherry on the cake, like the frills around it. So if you get that knowledge, that's extra. That's like a little bit on the side. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have no idea about it. And it's not on a lot of the, the anatomical diagrams. Like I certainly don't remember seeing a full diagram of it probably until I was in my 30s. Yeah. Me either. And, and what's frightening to me, but we do spend all that time on how the penis works. Oh yeah. I could tell you so much about how the penis works. Like I can label the penis and know what the frenulum bit is, you know, I know my way around testicles. Um, but I, yeah, I, the, the vagina, the clitoris, the vulva all just seemed like a weird, magical, mystical land that I had no idea about. Oh God. I, I just, it, it, it guts me. It absolutely guts me. We don't talk about this. So what I know that for you, the, the lead into writing about this was personal stuff. Mm. Were you aware when you started researching, when you started trying to get some help that, that you were not at all unusual? Um, I think for a lot of years, I really did think I was on my own because it's so rare that people tell the truth about how sex is for them. Um, it's so rare that people say like, oh, actually it's a bit naff or it's not really working for me at the minute. Um, the sex we hear about is like the, oh my God, I came 42 times and we're doing it all night long. Uh, all the stuff we see on TV, right? Where everyone's like three, pumps of the penis and everyone comes at the same time looking deeply into each other's eyes um or or in porn where there's there's no lube um there's no breaks if you're a bit tired there's definitely there's no pain during sex that isn't part of the sexual experience um there's yeah there's 
I, I never really saw or read or heard anything about painful sex for sure. And that definitely at the time was what I was experiencing the most. And, and you know, I mean, for me, that's deeply sad, but I know that it's true for so many people. I mean, the all night long thing I pick up really quickly. Like, I don't want to have sex all night long. Sorry, guys. Not <laughs> penetrative sex anyway. I might want to, you know, I might want to, you know, have long, slow other types of sex maybe. But even now, mind you, I don't know that I, I still don't know that I want to do it all night long. Let's just be clear about that. If it means touching that area of me all night long, that's going to be sore. I'm oh, not going to yeah. want that, right? <laughs> you know, but chafe real quick. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'll want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that too. But also, if you're postmenopausal, let me tell you, chafe is something that happens like in two seconds. So, mm -hmm. you know, lube and all sorts of other things are not um, an add-on, they're a necessity, even mm -hmm. when, even though you still lube, sometimes it depends on the woman, but you still can lubricate naturally. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was before menopause, particularly if you've had a hysterectomy and you've had your ovaries removed. So any hormone replacement that you're taking is not gonna cover it. But it's like, I can't tell you the number of times partners have been like, oh, you don't need it, right? You're like, you're really wet. You don't need it. Like, I'm not going to be wet in three seconds. Just give me the lube, right? Oh, God, yeah. Or you get partners who are sometimes like, they think it's their responsibility to make you wet. And if you aren't wet, that's a reflection on them and their own sexual prowess. So, like, for years, I didn't feel confident using lube at all. I felt like it meant that I was broken, like I was a tap that wouldn't turn on. And, you know, I'd be sitting there really concentrating. I need to make myself wet. Like, go, 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 vagina. <laughs> you can do it. Um, and there's nothing that stops you getting wet, like trying to make yourself wet by thinking about Absolutely. it. And, so, yeah, um, it's such a myth. It's such a myth. I mean, so who knew about arousal non-concordance? I certainly didn't. I didn't realize that my body could look turned on when I wasn't. And my body could be turned on when subjectively I was like, I'm not enjoying this. I have no idea why I'm soaking wet, right? Because I'm really not enjoying this. Or yeah. I wasn't even having sex. You know, I was busy working and suddenly I'm like, what turn the water works on? Yeah. Um, but I also did. Yeah. Well, should I look at the last thing I was doing? Could it have been that? Do I have a, a kink I didn't know about? Yeah, I, I really, I, I clearly really enjoy cooking. I mean, I really enjoy chopping, grating. Yep. yep, those are the things. But I also didn't realize that the opposite was true, that you could be really, really turned on and your body just doesn't cooperate. Yeah. And there's not no reason necessarily. And I, I used to get very angry at my body for that because I feel like my mind is in the right place. I've lit a candle, you know? I, the room smells like sensual oils and, uh, and floral mists. And, you know, I've had a bath. I've done everything. It should work. And so mm. I used to get so frustrated and angry because um, I, just, I just thought, well, it works for everyone else. Why doesn't it work for me? Yeah. And it's not true. It's not true. So um, what percentage of the population-ish has, has painful sex as a problem? Well, it's a really difficult one to pin down because it's not something everyone talks about, but the figures sort of rove between 50% and 75% of experiencing pain at some point. Um, but I imagine it's probably much higher than that. Um, most people that I've spoken to who've given birth speak about uh -huh. pain um, and or like not having any support with that, as in they'll get loads of other things about their pregnancy and their birth checked, but no one ever speaks to them about sex and how they can make sex pleasurable again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, and I think there are lots of men or people with penises who find sex painful as well. Um, and that definitely is something that isn't really spoken about. Oh, no, that I mean, that is that would be horrific to talk about that because it busts all the myths. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I mean, 
So I reckon you're probably right. And I reckon we're really looking at something like 100% of women at one point or, or another in their life yeah. find sex painful. Yeah, absolutely. Like we are told that losing our virginity will hurt. And that isn't the case. It doesn't have to. We're told it will. And so we're expecting it, which means it's much more likely to. Um, I didn't use lube when I lost my virginity penetratively. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. I think if I'd had a better education around it, there's a lot less chance it would have been painful. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of people, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I, I was um, um, I pre-recording an episode, which I don't do very often, but I'm, um, you is going to be, you is for underfunded sex and um relationship education. So I was talking with Justin Hancock today about that. And that was one of the myths that was brought up was this idea that, you know, we are led to believe that losing your virginity is always going to be painful. And that sets up a self-fulfilling prophecy right there. So we've got, um, we're just about to go on break. When we get back, we're going to pick this up and talk more about this Um, really important topic and try and help people to feel less embarrassed and be able to access some help around this because sex should be wonderful and fun. And it's not going to be if you don't have the right education. We'll be back in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. On Anti-Aging Unraveled, host Dr. Lori Gerber features guests related to the field of integrative medicine and more specifically what she calls deconstructed medicine. Many symptoms that we think of as common and related to the aging process don't have to be issues. If you think outside the common treatment processes, you'll learn that integrative medical technology, new innovations, and natural health can combine to help you age gracefully. Anti-Aging Unraveled. Listen Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This is part two of Q is for Quim. In case you didn't know, Quim is a word for vagina. And I'm with Fran Bush. And before the break, we were talking about painful sex. So we were reckoning probably 100% of people with vulvas have painful sex at some point or another in their lifetimes. I think so, yeah. What made you decide to really research this? Because you've like um, made a life study of it. <laughs> well, so I think up until I turned 30, I just 
sort of went with the flow. And I thought it was just me that was experiencing painful sex. And you know, it, worth saying that as a result of that, found it really hard to orgasm, found it really hard to feel aroused because I was expecting it to be painful, which would make it more painful, which would make me less likely to want it next time. So I was just living in this cycle. Um, and I became really good at being good at sex. So I made it look like I was really enjoying it. I made all the right noises. You know, I was really well studied. I had my hands in my hair and like I could really pretend that I was having a great time. And I, I was just centering my partners through all of it. The only thing that mattered to me was that they were having a really lovely time. Um, and I, I went through quite a big breakup when I hit 30. And I had heard this fact that the 30s are meant to be a woman's sexual peak. Um, whether that is true or not is debatable. But um, I think there is research into how sex just gets better and better the older we get. A lot to do with like just feeling more comfortable in our bodies. And so I think I hit a bit of a wall with sex. And I'm actually, I don't want to put up with, I don't want to use the word bad sex necessarily, but more like I want to learn what I like. Mm -hmm. I'm bored of putting on this show, this performance around sex. Um, I, like I would speed through sex. I would get to the end, to their ejaculation as quickly as possible. So we could get to like the nice bit, like the hugging afterwards where I felt safe and loved. Um, but the actual sex itself was so, was so painful. And then actually when I, when I found some ways to make it less painful, I was still not really enjoying it. I was still very in my head. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I have a very busy mind. I think it's very likely that I, I suffer from quite a lot of anxiety, I, I would definitely say. Um, and so my, my mind just wouldn't be present in the room. And I'd been to the doctors lots of times and I've been told things like, well, you know, when you find the right partner, sex will get easier or have a glass of wine to loosen yourself up a bit. Or um, I think uh, the first doctor I saw when I was 16 years old was like, just get out there, have more sex, go on. Um, and I just had felt very on my own with it. So yeah, turning, turning 30 was a big change for me. I was like, I am not gonna pretend anymore. I'm gonna try and be completely honest about what I'm experiencing in my body. It's so hard. I, I, I'm always so sad when I hear, and because I know doctors do this, because I've had my own experiences with it as well, and my clients and friends. And but it's just so. I find it so sad that they dismiss female pleasure and female lack, and, and female lack of pleasure and 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 genital pain. It's just like, it's just not a big deal. I mean, if a man goes to the doctor and says. Um, I'm not having an erection and it's distressing me because I can't, I can't have sex and it's distressing me that, you know, that they don't look at the men with disdain. They go and they give them a prescription. They sort things out. There's no judgment implied. There's no shaming. In fact, um, they've gotten much better at not shaming. Like they take the shame away for them and they yeah. normalize. Whereas if we present ourselves, it's such a completely different experience. Yeah, absolutely. And actually the only time I felt taken semi-seriously was when my pain was potentially affecting a partner, when it was really making my relationship difficult. And I remember telling that to the doctor and the doctor was like, oh, okay, right. Well, if it's affecting your partner, then we probably need to do something about this. But I'd been in so many times on my own um, and one time they told me, you know, well, why do you need to enjoy sex if you're not in a relationship? Come back to us when you're in a relationship um, and then we can maybe give you some couples therapy. 
Um, but it, it just felt like actually, number one, they don't think female pleasure is important in any yeah. way, um, unless it's maybe impacting on my ability to procreate or my relationship with my partner. Um, but also as a single woman, that that definitely wasn't important. Yes. And but it definitely changed when I, as being a married woman, definitely made a difference mm -hmm. um, in, in how I was seen. But even so, um, when I went in and I was having pain, the first time I said I was having pain, because this was, I was postmenopausal officially. And I said, you know, it hadn't been hurting and now it's hurting. This is hurting. I'm not happy with this. And she said, well, it's part of menopause. Mm. No examination, because it could have been a hundred things, none of that, just it's part of menopause, you know, ha have some more lubrication. And I said, well, I'm using plenty of lubrication. And it's not because I'm dry. It's because it's painful. Mm. And, and I got sent away. And then I had a postmenopausal bleed and everybody freaked out. Wow. Okay. And, and suddenly they wanted to do all sorts of things to make sure I didn't have cancer. Um, and it turned out that I had fibroids, mm -hmm. but they didn't offer me any treatment for that. So the fibroids got bigger and, and then I, then I, I, I just, I screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to go private and go to a gynecologist because this is getting ridiculous. And he said, it was too bad that you hadn't come earlier. We could have done an intravaginal hysterectomy, but now you're going to have to have a full abdominal cut because the fibroids are too big and there's the potential that a fibroid is cancerous. And if it is, and we slice it up, we spread the cancer. So because nobody took it seriously, it meant that I needed a major operation instead of what's considered a relatively minor operation. So that pissed me off. And he mm -hmm. took the pain seriously. It was, it was really interesting. It was like, he said, aside from that, you know, if you start having pain again, you know, these are the things I want you to look for because this could mean this and this. And he had like, there was a whole list of things that could cause pain. So it was just completely amazing to me that he said, well, there's a whole list. And I said, well, you know, they told me I might have vulvodynia. Mm -hmm. And vulvodynia basically means your vulva hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The great diagnosis. It means fuck all. So vague, so vague. You have pain. We don't know why. We can't do anything about it. You have to live with it. That's basically what the diagnosis is. So I said to him, that's what the GP told me. He said, yeah, that diagnosis sucks. Mm. And I was really surprised because it was a man saying this. He said, it means nothing. We're going to figure out where the pain's coming from. Then we figure out if we can fix it. You know. That is, is so scary. Hmm. And I said, I'm a young woman. I don't. I'm not willing to swear off penetrative sex. I like it. Don't want to swear it off. Yeah. And I had to get like really bullshy in order. And I had to go private to get that. Otherwise I wasn't even getting a referral to a gynecologist. Like it was just like, go home and, and find something else to do. You're past <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> just, it's time to take up crochet. Yeah. <laughs> just like, Oh my God. But then you start feeling like you're not allowed to ask for help with things, right? And right. I think it's so difficult to advocate for yourself in general, in lots of, you know, in like next time you go to a doctor's, that's gonna impact you as well. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, like, I was leaving these doctor's appointments just feeling like I had wasted their time and that mm. I, was, I was bad for asking for sex to be pleasurable, for asking for sex to not hurt and so, like I became quieter, I became quiet within myself. And that's like, I think I stopped telling partners about it because it, it just seems easier. Why make a fuss, right? Like just, just okay, keep that's it. terribly British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so as somebody who, I mean, I, I've actually lived here longer than I lived in America, but I did spend 27 years in America and 31 here so far. Um, and as somebody who came up speaking up for myself, even I had trouble advocating for myself. Mm. And I'm usually pretty good at that. Um, but at, at a certain point when, when you've been told that it's you, 
and you're wasting their time. It's very difficult to then come back and say, actually, the solution you gave me last time either didn't work or this happened. Can we push it further? Um, it's, It's one of the reasons why I always tell people, look, bring an advocate with you if you can, right? Not because you're not somebody who can't communicate, but because it's much easier for an outsider to ask the questions. You'll forget them if you're feeling pressured or flustered or pushed or not listened to, whereas they won't. Yeah. And and I try and do that because I can lose the ability to really advocate well for myself, even though I speak well around stuff like this. Oh, definitely. Like I always go in with a list of things um, like that. These are the things that I have to say, because otherwise I get in there, I panic, um, I get nervous because even you know, I'm fine saying the word vagina now. But back when I was a teenager, I couldn't say the word vagina. I got all flustered. Um, and the danger would be that I'd go into the doctors and I'd suddenly panic and tell them about a Veruca instead or uh, IBS. Ah, and that would be easier. It'd be easier to pretend I had a fungal infection than say, there is pain in my vagina. Oh my God. And you know what? And that is really relatable. You know, there are so many people who will just be like, I can't say that. I'll find the other one or forget, go in and you have like three things top of mind. You haven't written them down. You go in, you say the thing, they ask you questions, they divert another direction. The biggest thing on your list you didn't mention, and then you leave. And then you have to get the time from them for another appointment, which is never easy. We're about one minute from break. When we come back, we will continue this conversation and talk about what kinds of things can cause our vaginas to break. We'll be back after words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week it is Q is for Quim. And this is part three. And I'm with Fran Bush. And we were talking right before the break. I said, let's talk about the things that cause our vaginas to break. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, there are so, so many things um, that can cause like, so, so the term everything comes under, which is the unsexiest term I've ever heard, is female sexual dysfunction. I know. 
Oh, as an acronym, it's it's not sexy. I can't get behind it. FSD is what it comes down to. Um, and this idea that we, we aren't working, there's something broken in our bodies. Um, and that can cover, so pain during sex, difficulty, orgasming, and um, feeling like your level of arousal isn't right. Um, but of course, all of those things are so difficult to measure. Um, mm. Because one person's really, really, really aroused is one person's just, I'm going for a walk in the rain, is one person's, I've just woken up. Um, and like the amount, like there is no amount that you should be orgasming. There's no amount that you shouldn't be orgasming. Yeah. So all the things are so hard to measure. So the where it becomes judged as a problem is if it's causing you distress. That is where it is perceived as something that should be uh, warranting of, of medical attention. Um, for me, I think... Um, so I never received a proper diagnosis. I think it's really likely that I had vaginismus when I was a teenager, uh, which is like the involuntary clamping of the vaginal muscles, which makes penetration very difficult, painful, or completely impossible. Um, but I think equally, it, it could have been with me that I just didn't I didn't understand my body didn't know how my body worked and so didn't really realize that I had to be around so I think mm -hmm. I was sort of just going in cold um which of course was painful and then my brain remembered that it was painful so it continued to be painful um but there are yeah there are so many things that can cause pain. Like even if you're taking like hay fever medication or you're on an antidepressant, that can affect your libido. That can change how wet you are, um, you know, depending uh, where you are in your menstrual cycle. And so I guess it's just about knowing what is normal for you rather than what is comparing your normal to everyone else's. Right. And, and I, I mean, I, one of the things that I know is that, you know, so pain, you can have pain with penetration, with some kinds of penetration and not with other kinds of penetration. You can have pain if you don't spend a lot of time getting turned on and relaxed beforehand. Um, sometimes it's the shape of whatever it is you're being penetrated with. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you're hitting somebody's bladder. Sometimes people have minor prolapses, which actually are not something that they would make do surgery to repair, but still influenced by causing pain. Yeah. So that, that, you know, the response of the gynecologist would be, well, we're, you know, it's minor. We're not going to do surgery to repair it. Um, but it will be what's actually causing the pain because basically when you're penetrating, you're hitting things that you're not meant to hit. Um, and things are in weird places and stuff like that. And so it stuff and people think, oh, that's something that only happens after um, hyster hysterectomy or only happens after menopause. No, no. Pregnancy. Pregnancy is the thing. Right. So this yeah. kind of stuff can happen all during childbearing years, even pregnancies where you do not uh, even pregnancies that result in miscarriages, even pregnancies where you do not give vaginal birth because the hormones are what change the structure, not just the weight and um, the physical pressure through. Yeah. So I, uh, we're not taught about any of that. Um, like there is, there's no kind, I mean, we're getting people talking about the menopause more now, but I had have no idea. It's only now in my thirties that I'm educating myself on the menopause that I have any idea of any of that. Um, and so if you're going into that, or you've just had a baby, or you just had surgery, and you're experiencing pain, that's going to be really overwhelming and, and confusing. And I think a lot of people just go, well, actually, maybe sex isn't for me anymore. Maybe Absolutely. I don't. Absolutely, which makes me so sad. Mm. I know for me, um, one of the things when, you know, when I realized that I was going to have 
I was going to have a hysterectomy and I didn't want him to take my ovaries out because I was well aware. And, and, but I was aware only because I'd educated myself, but what we should know is that our ovaries, even after menopause continue to put out hormones. It's just a drop in hormone. It's not no hormones. And um, our ovaries also are in charge of testosterone. Yes, we have testosterone. No testosterone can mean no libido, no energy. Um, and you know, depression because it adds in. So it serves a positive function in us. And, and if your ovaries are removed, then there is none. So women are offered HRT, they're offered estrogen. They might be offered estrogen and progesterone, but they're not offered testosterone. So when I had this, I went in and I said, I want testosterone. And the gynecologist was like, okay, well, we can, on the NHS, we can give you an implant. So I don't want an implant because I can't titrate an implant. And I don't want to have so much that I have a hundred side effects and I'm not actually enjoying the benefits. Like the side effects are overwhelming. So he said, well, I can give you the gel, which is what he did, but I couldn't get it prescribed. Why? Because they'll only prescribe the gel if you are, um, if you have your ovaries removed because of cancer and you're very young, or if you're transitioning, if you're a, a menopausal or postmenopausal women, it's like, they, so what if your libido goes away? <laughs> That's really the attitude, right? So what if you don't want sex anymore? Or the other thing, like for women who have um, contra cervical contractions when they have orgasms, so some women do and some women don't, there's no right or wrong about it. Nobody talks, like nobody answered the question, well, what happens if you take my uterus away? Am I not going to have an orgasm anymore? Yeah. Or even going through what they do when they take all of that away. Like, do they leave the top of, of the vaginal canal open or do they sew it shut? Yeah. And I, and like, even like psychologically having gone through a, like a procedure like that, feeling like a sexual being after that, after those things that in your head you sort of associate with being sexual, if you yep. know, associate with uh, like feeling in your body, um, if, if that is if that's gone or changed, then having that link to feel feeling feeling yourself in your body is hard. Yeah, yeah, and and nobody talks about that. I mean, pregnancy and sex, because you and I were talking about that in the break before. That's another. Big, big one. I mean, okay, so women are really, really different. Some yeah. women really want sex. Other women don't want it at all. Some women want sex and it's so painful they can't figure it out. And nobody sits down with them to talk about it. It's kind of like, oh, come on, you're managing enough. You're pregnant. You know, what do you, you know, why is this important? Yeah. And some people are treated like, like there's no purpose for them wanting sex because the, the result of sex is already there. Yeah, why would they need any more? Um, I have a friend who's a midwife and she says that she does often get women coming in saying that their partners don't want to have sex with them because they're pregnant and there's this sort of like Virgin Mary feeling about it. Like, well, she is with child and therefore I cannot penetrate her. Um, and a genuine fear, which I always thought was a joke about the penis hitting the oh, baby's yeah. head. And she's just like, it doesn't it won't, it's not going to, that isn't, that's not going to happen. Um, but she says she gets it all the time. I, well, and I know for me, my response, and I've talked about this before, um, you know, anybody who says childbirth is natural is crazy. There's nothing natural about having an alien inside you. There just isn't, right? I, I had, I mean, I'm a control freak. So I had some real issues with pregnancy. Because if you really want to learn what it feels like to be out of control, get pregnant. Because your body is no longer your own. You know, you're craving food that you never, you know, you never like the sight of. You pee all the time. You, you want to eat at four in the morning. You know, you're, it's just the most bizarre thing. Um, and, you know, so for me, it was, I remember the first time he kicked, I, and it was the only time during the pregnancy I threw up. Mm. And I had to really adjust to that. And. I did in the end adjust to pregnancy, but I absolutely didn't want to have any sex with a partner because I felt that my child was watching. That's how it <laughs> felt to me. 
Yeah, makes it he's, makes sense. He's watching. He is aware no because he. His, his spirit is already here and he doesn't have a body so he can walk right through my stuff. And, and he's my kid. I don't want him to know about this. And <laughs> his, thankfully his father wasn't interested in sex either. So it wasn't an issue. But I remember one of my friends was like, Oh my God, all I wanted to do was have sex seriously. And I said, well, I was horny. I just was, I just got too caught up in this mental thing to be able to do anything about it. Just like, no. <laughs> oh my God. But nobody talked with us about that. Nobody talked, and you know, there was, you know, nobody talked. I'd, I'd had a number of miscarriages, and I had to inject heparin in order to carry, because um, I have sticky blood. So that's what they figured out. But nobody talked with me about what the risk would be. And, and at one point, when I thought I might want to have sex, I was terrified that jostling things around would be enough to miscarry. Mm. And you know, there was nobody to talk with about that. They were just like don't be ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So we're a couple minutes from break. When we come back on the last part, we're going to talk a bit about resources, I think. Um, and um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you after some words from our sponsors. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice of America Health and Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time there is a difference in health and wellness programs there can be mainstream programs and then there is something extra that something extra is called tips to keep you healthy happy and motivated with your host Kristen harper if you want to hear some behind the scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness the why as well as the how be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this is the fourth part of Q is for Quim. And I'm with the amazing Fran Bush. And I said before the break, I'd love for, for us to talk about some solutions and resources around this. Yeah. So I'm so I there are things that I have tried myself. Um, I think by the time I was having sex in my 30s, I felt just so detached from my body um, that a lot of things, I had to do a lot of things to get me back in touch with myself. Um, and a lot of that started with self-pleasure. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I think because sex was painful, it was just something I'd written off. 
Um, and sex had become so much for my partners that I sort of completely neglected my own body. Um, so getting really getting to know my own body through self-pleasure and slowing down, like mm. really slowing the fuck down, um, working out things that made me feel more aroused and doing more of those, um, working out things that were big blocks um, and, and avoiding those. Like I really do suffer. My libido just disappears with stress. It's gone um, and without enough sleep. So there were lots of sort of holistic things that I did around sex to make it more, well, feel feel easier for me. Because um, I think I had to feel safe. I think I felt really unsafe in sex for a really long time. Um, learning to communicate <laughs> was a really big one. Being able to say to a partner, actually, this isn't working. And to say it in a way that wasn't like, your dick isn't working for me. Because that, no matter what I said, that for a while was what was heard. Yep. Um, and no one teaches us how to communicate about sex. No, either. I do that. I do that with people. That's one of the things. That's one of my functions. It's one of the biggest things. I well, can't believe how often people come to me 10 years, 15 years into a relationship, never having talked about sex. What's your top tip for having a conversation about if there would be pain during sex? How, how would you approach that? Um, I always say that if you want your partner to really hear you, then you want to talk about the nice things as well as the things that aren't working. Mm -hmm. My top tip is to be able to say something that feels good and then saying you wish this other thing felt better. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is, particularly if you're talking about people with penises, you've got to make sure that they're hearing that you are having pain. It's not something wrong with their penis. Mm. and that it is hard that's a hard slog that one yeah yeah definitely and because then like I've definitely had partners who have listened but then are so worried about hurting me oh yeah then that. they do nothing oh I had you know I, I it's like it's like you used to fuck me you've stopped fucking me what happened but mm. you, you told me you were having some pain. I said, yeah, that doesn't mean that you now treat me as if I'm like made of glass. Yeah. And one of the other things that, that sometimes happens is men lose their erections because now they're really afraid of hurting you. And so they're, you know, the erection goes away and then you've got another problem to deal with. Yeah. I, I've definitely had partners who have claimed to have, um, sexual dysfunctions themselves as a result of my sexual dysfunction. Um, so my boyfriends who have not been able to maintain erections have said it, it's, it's because of you, it's because of all of this, it's because it's too stressful, it's because I'm worried. That's not helpful. Which then feeds I mean, Yeah, which feeds back into your stuff, which feeds back in. I mean, I think the thing about communication is we need to learn to communicate, owning our own stuff, and then dealing with those sorts of things when they come up. Like, I have this thing because of you. No, you don't. You're having an emotional response and your body is reacting to your emotional response. So let's deal with your emotional response. Let's not look at the body bit for a minute because this is emotional. We know this is emotional because it worked before and it's not working now. So let's, let's actually look at that. You're worried about hurting me. So let's do some things so you know where, what hurts me and what doesn't, right? Let me get specific with you, mm. right? If we go too quick and, and I haven't had time to warm up and we're not using loop, it's going to hurt. Yeah. But if we take these steps, look, it doesn't hurt. So that, you know, you can work around that to, to get rid of it. But it's this blame thing that goes back and forth, which I think is yeah. horrific. Blame and shame on top of that, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. um, if, like, if someone, if you can't make someone orgasm, like, no one is making anyone orgasm. Like, no. you're, you are also there and someone is orgasming. Um, but there is this, this pressure of, like, I have to make you come. Please. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been a science? I feel like I felt like a science experiment at one point. 
Oh, yeah. You guys spent six hours trying to make me come because I couldn't come. Yeah. Um, and I remember looking at the guy going, the more you do this, the worse it's going to get. Because yeah. now I'm so pressured. I'm that nothing's happening. Oh, yeah. I think at that point, I probably used to just pretend to orgasm. Because I'm like, yeah, well, exactly. It's easier. We can all have a cup of tea. It'd be nice. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I'd be like, oh, if I flip you this way or this used to work with my ex, why isn't it working on you? And there's nothing that makes you feel less sexy than someone saying this used to work on my ex. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't need to know that. I didn't need to know that at all. Thank you very much. But it does, it's like some, some partners, and it's not just people with penises, some partners, it's like their self-worth is connected to whether or not you reach orgasm. Yeah. It's like a prize. Mm-hmm. Like you're giving them a little medal, but like, you're, you're so good at sex. You are the best at sex. Thank you for your sex. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to lie here and glow. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, no, thank you. So, listen, I, I want to thank you for joining me. This has been great fun. We really need more of this show <laughs> because we need to talk about these things. But what I want to tell you guys is go and get this book, which not only is jam-packed with wonderful information, but is funny as hell. So do it makes it you make this kind of stuff much more approachable. And, and I think that's really important because people feel uncomfortable already. This is an approachable, easy read, guys. It really is. It's wonderful. Um, and where can they find you if they want to find you? Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Fran Bush. My bush has an E on the end of it. Uh, there is a Fran Bush without any. She gets a lot of uh, sex-related content off the back <laughs> of my work, I think. Um, but my Bush isn't any. Wonderful. Okay, guys. So um, for those of you listening live, Sunday night is the virtual play party still. If you haven't got your tickets, you want to get them now. This is going to be off the chain. We have so much interesting stuff going on. And you'll get the opportunity to see a, a bunch of different play styles with people who are in their own spaces. So it's a much more intimate feel than you get when you're at a club. Um, also, you can come anonymously. So just turn your camera off. And because you're listening live, if you do want to come, the first person that sends me an email, so that's Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com, will grab two free tickets. Um, and so you want to do that because this is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, next week, the letter is R, and I'll leave you in mystery as to what we're doing for R. I hope you have a fantastic week. Do be safe, and do come along to the party. Pass it on to your friends. We are still running that contest. There's room for one more review. If you do put a review up for this podcast, you will get a copy of the book for free, signed, um, and probably with a little note of thanks. So... Go ahead and grab it and do it. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>